Taking charge of your future starts with taking the first steps. And saving up to $30 a month on Cox Internet with the Affordable Connectivity Program makes those steps easy to take. Whether they bring you to click upload on your first short film or join now for an online book club. Applying is easy. See if you qualify at cox.com slash ACP. Non-transferable one per household application and eligibility decisions are made by the FCC. There's only one road into Key West, but you won't believe where it can take you. Travel back in time to a city rich with history. Discover amazing artists and musicians. Taste seafood fresh off the boat. Or just kick back and soak up the island vibe. For more about Key West, visit flakeys.com. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church. And remember to love God, love people, and love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Yeah. Love God, love people, love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. If you have a Bible, lift your mobile device. Most people now use their mobile devices. And of course, if you got the Harvest Mobile app, there's a Bible in there. And in case you're wondering what version, I normally preach from the New King James Version. And uh, just that's a great version because it doesn't, it removes the D's and the thou's. The closest version to that in our app is the English Standard Version. So in case you're wondering, all right, let's make this confession of faith together. And just lift your Bibles high. Say the word changes everything. Let's say this together. Because I'm unconditionally loved by God and at harvest i come to god as i am but through today's life-giving message i won't stay as i am this is my banner year which is my best year yet in jesus name remain standing for just a moment i want you to go to psalm 144 and one say every battle every problem already won say it again every battle every problem already won Psalm 144 and 1. It's a short verse, but I love this verse. It says, blessed be the Lord, my rock. Now, I want us to read this next part together. Who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Notice what it doesn't say. He, he gets me out of the war and he gets me out of the battle. Instead, no, he does what? He trains us for war and he trains our fingers for battle. Say, so he trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Now, which means, watch this, look at me, church. Whatever you're facing right now, stop complaining, it's just training. I'm going to say it again. Whatever you're dealing with right now, stop complaining, it's just training. Would you do me a favor and look at your neighbor? You're probably going to talk to him at least three or four more times this experience. Just say, whatever you're facing right now, stop complaining, it's just training. Let's pray. Father, we honor you and bless you for your word today. We thank you for today's experience. We pray that you'd customize, tailor make this word for us, your people, that we would move courageously in those things that you have ordained. We thank you 
that this word would fall on the ears of those that are doers, not just hearers. We thank you that this word would fall on the ears of those that are rising up to fight every battle. You train our hands for war and our fingers for battle. You don't get us out of the battles. You use the battles to make us better. You don't get us out of the war. You use the war to make us worship. And so today, I just declare that a warrior is rising up on everybody under the sound of my voice. That a gladiator is rising up in everybody under the sound of my voice. And we declare every battle, every problem, no matter what it is, it is already won. I need somebody to declare that with me, church. It is already won. I don't care what issue it is. It is already won. Your financial issues, they're already won. Your marital issues are already won. Your family issues are already won. The issues with your kids are already won. The issues with your job, they are already won. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Would you do me a favor? High five two or three people as you take your seats and say the battle to become, the battle to become, the battle to become. And you can be seated. In Harvest, I preach a series so we don't just have the ritual of church without getting results from church. And today we're starting this new series we've been talking about. You know the title. Say it with me, church. Already won. Now, a battle is a, uh, defined as a fight or a struggle to achieve or resist something. And when we think of battles, we normally think, of the big battles in life, like divorce or cancer, bankruptcy or the death of a loved one, a failed relationship, losing your job, losing your car, losing your homes. For some of us, losing weight. <laughs> and those are already won through God's word. But in this series, we're going to focus on the everyday battles that we face. And we can name tons of everyday battles. Everyday battles like anger. Everyday battles like patience. Everyday battles like discouragement. Everyday battles like frustration, self-discipline, your kids acting crazy, marital strife. When your money gets so funny, it starts telling you jokes, self-doubt, addiction. But here's what they all boil down to, the daily battles that we face. They all boil down to this, the battle to become. Say, become what, Bishop? to become better. See, check this out, church. When I become better, my life is better. When we become better, our life is better. Often, we wait for things to change, so then we'll change. Now, realizing when we change, things will change. So when we're better, life is better. The better the husband, the better the marriage. The better the wife, the better the marriage. The better the parent, the better the child. The better the employee, the better the career. When you're better, life is better. So here's the good news. The battle to become better is already won by Jesus, and we just have to walk out what he already worked out on the cross. I'm going to say it again. We just have to walk out what he already worked out on the cross. So I need you because I think there's some gladiators and some warriors in here. I need you to just shout this as loud as you can. Say already won. So here it is. Let's get right into the meat of the message. Number one, the battle to become better, it's already won with a decision to be a disciple. It's won with a decision to be a disciple. Notice that the verse we read says that he trains us, which means we're becoming better. But it also implies continual training. And in Christianity, that process of continual training is called discipleship. And discipleship means to be a disciplined student. Say the decision to be a disciple. Uh, Luke 6.40 says this, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Now check it out. Psalm 141, uh, 144 and 1 says that God is training your hands for war and your fingers for battle. And remember, oftentimes we want him to get us out of the war and out of the battle, but that's not how this works. God says, I'm training you to win the war and to beat the battle. You're not hearing what I'm saying. God says, I'm not getting you out of the war. I'm training you to win the war. I'm not getting you out of the battle. I'm training you to win the battle. 
and practically, watch this, that's why faithful church attendance is so important because you get classroom training here, then you go out into your field training called battles out there so you can lose what you learned in your classroom training. I remember I was telling them this morning when I learned how to shoot a, a handgun, I had to use what I learned sitting so that I could stand when I was shooting. I'm going to say it again. I had to use what I learned sitting so that I could stand when I was shooting. It was interesting because we had like four hours of classroom instruction. And I thought to myself, why in the world did you need four hours to learn how to shoot a gun? It seems pretty simple. Point and pull the trigger. Well, I didn't realize there was a whole lot more to that. And then they started getting into statistics about how like the NYPD, that they only shoot two out of ten accurately. And that's what they're trained to do. That's what they do. And I thought to myself, well, this ain't what I do. So if they only get 20% right, I probably need some training. I probably need some, uh, some lessons because it's not as easy as it looks. Touch your neighbor and say, it's not as easy as it looks. That's the same thing with life. Life is not as easy as it looks. Stop looking on other people's social media where you're seeing their highlight reels, but you're not seeing their practice footage. You're looking at them showing you them on top of the mountain, but you didn't see them when they were down in the valley. So stop complaining about your life because they have a war they have to fight. They have a battle they have to fight. And you're getting depressed and discouraged about your life, not realizing you are just being trained to win the war and to beat the battle. So, so when I learned how to shoot a gun, I had to use, I mean, I had four hours. It was like four hours of classroom instruction. And I'm a note taker, so I had tons of notes. I had uh, every little question other people asked. I'd be taking notes about that. I had notes over here. I had Cornell two-column notes. My notes were laid out. My notes were all together. And I was taking notes. And I thought, this is a lot of notes on how to shoot a gun. And then I remember when I got into my shooting lane, when I got into my shooting lane, I got the gun. I was like, this is way heavier than it looks. And then I started loading, loading the magazine. And I said, this is way harder than it looks. This is tearing my thumbs up. I said, I just thought you just pop it in there, pop it in there. Because in the movies... Y'all not saying nothing. In the movies, they just pop, 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 pop. So I thought it was going to be pop, 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 pop. And it was like pop, pop. I'm like, God, dog. I said, man, you somebody to be to roll up on you as long as it takes to load this. Pop. I was like, I got to do this 15 times. I said, pop. And so, and so watch this. Then, when, when, then it was time to shoot. It was time to shoot. It was time to shoot. All of a sudden, I got super nervous, and I started sweating. I started sweating like just just oceans of sweat. I know you don't know anything about that, uh, but, but I started sweating oceans of sweat. I was so nervous because I was like, oh my God, like this is real now. I says, it's the same thing that happens in life. When you miss your classroom instruction, when you get out there to battle, you don't know what to do. When you're not a disciple, when you face a battle, you don't know what to do. When you miss church, the thing you needed to hear that Sunday, the thing you needed to hear that Wednesday, you face that Monday and you face that Thursday, but you don't know what to do because you weren't a disciple. But I think there's some people at this 11:15 a.m. experience that say, if the battle to become better is already won, I'm making the decision to be a disciple. I'm making the decision to sit so that I will be able to stand in battle. If you cannot stand in battle, if you cannot sit as a disciple, you won't be able to stand in battle let me say it another way if you can't stand in battle if you can't sit as a disciple does your neighbor say you can't stand in battle if you can't sit as a disciple 
Which means when you're coming to church, it's not just coming to feel good. It's coming to get some information so you can go out there and rule and reign and conquer and subdue. And I think there are some people that are grateful you have a church called Harvest where you can come and not just feel good, but you can leave and actually be good and be better. Somebody holler, I'm becoming better. So you got to be a disciple, a disciplined student. And that's why some people take notes. That's why we make the messages available the way we do. That's why I give you all of the definitions and I teach and I preach the way that I do. Because I don't just want us to be a church that goes through the rituals of church. But I want us to have results from church. All right. So the battle to become is already won with the decision to become a disciple. And this morning after the 915, tons of people made that decision. And they're right now in Harvest U, right now here in the training center. And if you want to make that decision to become a disciple, a disciplined student, Jesus said, go ye into the world and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say make attenders. He said make disciples. And so if you want to take that next step in discipleship, next Sunday at 1030, right before the 1115 a.m. experience, you can be in the training center right here at the Aurora campus so you can take your next steps Call Harvest You. You can do it next Sunday. And if you're watching on a digital campus, you can do it online right now. Would you help me celebrate some people that are making some decisions to become disciples? Disciplined students. It's a decision to become a disciple. But here's number two. The battle to become is already won. It's won with a better diet. One with a better diet. In our physical bodies, when we eat better, we live better. And when we eat great, we live great. And that's true for our spirit. See, we are triune beings. See, we are a spirit. That's our, so, uh, that's our subconscious mind. We possess a soul. That's our conscious mind, thoughts, will, and emotions. And we live in a physical body. See, that's three parts. Now, you don't beat battles when you're spiritually malnourished. Just like you couldn't beat a physical battle if you're physically malnourished. You ever saw people at the end of the day, they're talking about, oh, I'm just so tired and exhausted. What'd you eat? Well, I had some celery and cheese sticks. I had four slices of apple. Well, that's why you're tired. That's why you're falling asleep driving. It's not that your job is too tough. It's that you're malnourished. It's not that your family situation is so bad. You just ain't eating good. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? It's not that your marriage is that bad. You're just not yourself when you're hungry. You don't beat battles when you're spiritually malnourished. Say, I need a better diet. See, watch this. Sometimes, sometimes people, people don't eat anything. And then sometimes people, I was saying this morning at the 915, sometimes people, they eat too much of the wrong stuff. So, so watch this. If you have nothing but white sugar, white flour, and, 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 and all that all day long, okay, and, and, and a bunch of sugar. So when your breakfast is, you know, a white chocolate mocha with extra white chocolate sauce with a little bit of extra white sugar on top of the white chocolate sauce, Okay, it got real quiet right there. Apparently, I started messing with your business right there. Let me leave that up. And then you have that with a maple bacon donut. It's quiet here. With a side of leftover Snickers from last night. But I just don't want it to go to waste. I don't believe in wasting what God gives me. I don't waste it. And you have all of that sugar. Check it out. You're going to watch this. You're going to go up real fast, but then you're going to have a crash. It's the same principle in life. A lot of the times you get excited because of what your diet is, and then you don't have the strength or the fortitude to last. So you get excited, but you never see evolution because you had a very high-carbohydrate, high-sugar diet. 
So it's the same thing spiritually. You're like, ooh, I'm pumped up from church. It's evolution time. I'm ready to go. But you don't do anything with what you just learned. So you'll leave encouraged, but you won't be able to evolve. You'll leave inspired, but you'll never have insight. But your neighbor, your neighbor has decided they're not having a repeat of 16. They're not having a repeat of 15. They're not having a repeat of 14. Where are the real people at? They're not having a repeat of 13. They're not dealing with the same drama over and over and over again. They're deciding, I'm going to have a better diet. John 4.33, Jesus, uh, this is this interesting discussion because the Bible says uh, that therefore his disciples said to one another, has anything bought him anything to eat? In the previous verses, they said, Lord, you need to eat. And he said, I already ate. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, well, who brought him something to eat? It's interesting because all these guys around Jesus, how is it something so simple like what Jesus needed to eat? How did they miss that? Like, how do you have you, you ever seen a bunch of people running around and the most important things aren't getting done? Uh, have you ever been have you ever been at, at, at the airport with airlines? I won't say any of the airlines of uh, different names. You know, I won't I won't talk about any of the various frontiers that they cross and. And, and any of the places that, that they, that they tra uh, you know, travel to and any of these different things, I won't do that. But you see a bunch of people running around, and you're like, okay, the most important thing ain't happening. You're not taking care of the passengers. And if you don't take care of us, there's not going to be any money for you to run around and look busy. This is what you're trying to say. Jesus had all these guys around him, and they were all looking busy. And nobody knew what he ate. There's a leadership lesson there. There's a leadership lesson there. A lot of Jesus' frustration in the three and a half years of his ministry is because he had a lot of people around him that did not get it. Let me, let me help you if you're a leader. It's very important that if you have people around you that you make sure that they get it. Otherwise, they'll be present but not purposeful. Okay, now let me make it practical for your life because maybe you're like, Bishop, I'm not a leader. I'm just, you know, I, I can't see a practical application to that. Be careful that the people in your life are adding to you, not subtracting from you. Because he that does not increase you, decreases you. It's one or the other. Either you're adding to me or you're taking from me. And I don't have time for people to be in my space and be taking from me. And, okay, y'all, it got real quiet right there. Got real quiet right there. So Jesus has all these guys around him and nobody knew what he ate. So the disciples said, well, did you get him something to eat? He was like, I didn't get him nothing to eat. Thomas was like, did you get him something to eat? Thomas was like, I didn't get him nothing to eat. And John is like, did you get him something to eat? He was like, well, I thought he may have been hungry. I thought it in my mind, but I just didn't take the time to go make sure that he got it. It just, I was thinking about it. So they all sit around talking, and nobody got nothing for Jesus to eat. And Jesus looked at them like they just don't get it. So verse 34, Jesus interrupts their discussion, and Jesus says to them, my food, my diet is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Check it out, church. Jesus' diet was doing two things. It was doing God's will and finishing strong. And it's not that we don't know what God's will is because God's will is simply God's word. Stop complicating God's will. You hear people talk about, I'm just trying to figure out what God's will is. I'm just, I'm confused about what God's will. There's nothing confusing about his will. His will is his word. And we know it. We often just don't do it. And we know how to start. We often just don't finish. And that's because of our spiritual diet. We get excited about getting started at stuff, but when you're malnourished, you won't be able to finish what you start. But I came to speak it into somebody's life that you're a finisher. I said, you're a finisher. I said, you're a finisher. Would you just high five somebody and say, I'm a finisher. 
check this out. This one. It says, therefore, the disciples said to one another, is anything bound him in the Jesus said, my food, my diet is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And Jesus' diet is how he won the battle to become better and gave him the power to say, nevertheless, after verses like Luke 13, 31. Now, think about this. Jesus says, I have two things I eat. Say two things. He says, I, I eat doing the will of my father. And we understand his will is his word. So once we learn what his word says, it's our job to just do it. We don't pray about what his word says. We don't negotiate with what his word says. Okay, it got super quiet right through there. That's kind of like if you're a boss and you tell your employee, hey, I need you to do this. And they're like, I'm going to think about it. I'll tell you what, you think about it as you're packing yourself and get to stepping. And that's the moment you tell them, you don't work, love don't live here no more and neither do you work here anymore. Parents, that's like your child. You tell your child, hey, clean your room. I'm praying about that. And where I'm from, you're praying about it. Turn them cameras off. Turn them cameras off. Yeah, you're going to meet Jesus today. You're going to know he's real. Okay. <laughs> Anybody know about, nobody knows about that? I know in Denver they do time out. Little Jimmy goes sit in the corner. Well, where I'm from, you may have got time out. But that was after you had a little church experience. Didn't I tell you not to? And they, they whooped you to a beat. Anybody know about the whooping to a beat? It's like they were doing it to a song. I mean, and they got into it too. They were like, and then don't you not cry. Oh, you ain't going to cry? I'm going to get you. So they get mad at you if you cried and they get mad at you if you didn't cry. What you crying for? And then if you're not crying, they do it harder. Like, you ain't crying. This don't hurt. Like, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to cry or do you want me not to cry? I just don't know what to do. I'm so confused. <laughs> now, watch this. Watch this. Watch this. So, here's the deal. He said, my diet is to do God's will, which is simply God's word. And he said he wants to do what? Finish his work. So Jesus died as how he won the battle to become better. And he gave him the power to say, as I already said, nevertheless, after verses like Luke 13, 31. On that very same day, some Pharisees came saying to him, get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Now, here's what's significant about the threat. Herod had the power to, to actually kill him because Herod was the leader of the region. So Herod had the power to kill him. Now, it's one thing if somebody that doesn't have power makes a threat. It's another thing with somebody that can deliver on that threat makes a threat. You know, you ever had somebody say, you know, I'm going to, you know, take you down. You know, you can't even take notes. <laughs> you, you ever had somebody tell you, you know, I, I'm just, I'm going to ruin your life. You're like, you can't even read. How are you going to ruin my life? You see what I'm saying? It's like you don't even have the capacity to do what you're threatening to do. But Herod had the capacity to take Jesus down. And I like verse 32. And he said to him, we looked at this on Wednesday, go tell that fox. And if you were here for our last series, Superheroes, you understand why that term fox is so significant. He says, go tell that fox. Go tell that enemy that's evasive. He said, go tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and I perform cures. Watch what he says. Today and tomorrow and the third day I shall be perfected. Check it out. He says, listen. I'm not going to interrupt what I'm doing because I'm committed to finishing because I have a different diet than you do. You, you, you're missing it. He said, let me tell you. He, this is what he said. And this is what I love about him. He said, go tell him. 
In other words, a comedian had this thing out years ago, run, tell that. He said, go tell him, run, tell that. I'm going to perform Cures today. I'm going to do that tomorrow. I, I, I understand he's got a little problem with me, but that's his problem with me, not my problem with him. He said, go tell him that today and tomorrow and the day after, this is what I'm going to be doing. And then on that third day, I'm going to be perfect at it. I'm going to be really good at it. Say so he was committed to finishing. But how could he say that? It's because of his diet. Think about it. I was talking this morning about how I used to, um, I used to talk a lot about wanting to hike. Now, I went on a few, but most of it was talking about how great it would be to do it. Don't judge me. I was like, that'd be so great. And then I'd be like, instead, let's go eat. I just <laughs> and so, and so the, the thing is, though, the, for the few times that I did go, uh, I remember that when you, when you were hiking, when you, any, any form of Boy Scouts? Any? Two, one, one. Oh, you were eager. Oh, you got promoted. Okay. He was, he was, he was, he was top flight. He was top flight. <laughs> so, <laughs> he talking about that's right. Okay, so watch this. So, so the thing is this. So, I remember, I remember uh, uh, from uh, in Boy Scouts uh, that we did a hiking trip and just later some hiking trips. And uh, here's the deal. When you're hiking, you're going, you're going, you're going. You got your water bottle that you bought from the Harvest Bookstore and Cafe. Want some pie slice? You got your water bottle. You got all of this stuff on. You got all of this gear. Hold on. Let me just go on and just paint a picture. It's a dramatization. Dramatization. So you got all your gear. Got your backpack. Got your, you got all your stuff. Got your water. Got your hiking boots. And you're hiking. Touch your neighbor and say, and we're hiking. You're hiking. And you're hiking. And you're going. But here's the deal. You can only eat the food that you packed and brought with you. There are no 7-Elevens on the hiking trail where you can stop and get one of those sandwiches with some Lay's barbecue potato chips and a chili dog. And some soft batch cookies. <laughs> Here's the deal. If you didn't pack properly, you're not going to have the food necessary to be able to last the entirety of the hike. Okay, I think you're missing the principle. So what happens in life is that if you don't have your diet well, what's going to happen is you're always going to find yourself starting things but never finishing things. And let's just be honest, church, how many of us, if we look back over our history, we've started a lot, but we've not finished a lot. Let me tell you why you didn't finish, because of your diet. But today, I believe your diet is shifting and your diet is changing. Somebody holler, my diet's changing. It's time out for starting and stopping. It's time out for unnecessary failure. It's time for you to be a finisher. Somebody holler, I'm a finisher. I said holler it, not say it loud. Look at verse 33. So Jesus is like, he gets threatened by Herod, and Herod has the power. Herod has the power to actually come through on his threat. And he says, listen, you go tell that fox, this is what I'm doing, and he's not going to interrupt me because I eat a different diet. In other words, he said, stop for what? Because you're in my way? I eat a different diet. Stop for what? Because you're talking about me? Stop for what? Because your mama don't like me? Stop for what? Because I hit a stag in my finances? Stop for what? Touch your neighbor and say, stop for what? 
Look at verse 33. Here's what he says. Nevertheless, he says, you all are used to taking the lesser because you don't eat what I eat. So you take the lesser because the lesser is comfortable. And that's why you never finish what you start because you go with comfort. But comfort and chains can't live in the same place. He says, but let me tell you what I do. I decide, watch what Jesus does. Jesus says, I decide that I'm going to do never the less, which means never the lesser, but always the greater. He says, I must journey today, tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. Here's what he says. He says, I'm going to fight this battle. And the reason I'm not scared of Herod is because I eat differently. What other people look at as a good place to stop, I look at as a good place to start. Where other people look at it as a reason to run away, I look at it as a reason to run to. Where other people look at it as a reason to give up, I look at it as a reason to give harder, to give greater, to give more. Say, I need a better diet. So let me ask you this question. What needs to be cut out of your diet? Life is like a buffet. And I was telling them this morning at the 9.15 that I, uh, every once in a while, I will get this weird urge to go to a particular buffet. And, and it's a weird urge because later on, I kind of think about it and say, why did I do that? I'm not the only one. And later on, I think about it and say, why in the world did I do that? Why in the world did I go eat there? Why in the world did I do that? Because I think about, I'll build, when I go to a buffet, and, and please don't judge your pastor, please don't do that. Uh, when I go to the buffet, I will build massive plates. And, and, and then people will look at me and be like, you finna eat all that? Like, absolutely not. I'm going to have like four bites of that, four bites of that, two bites of that, and three bites of that. And then I'm going to go back for some more and not finishing that. I'll get pizza, macaroni and cheese, bourbon chicken, the fajita chicken, next to some waffles with some eggs and bacon. Somebody say amen. Watch this. (laughs) Next to some French toast. I look at the salad bar. I do. I really look. I said, wow, that looks great. Not doing that. No, no. I didn't come here to eat good. (laughs) And I will get all this. Say, life is like a buffet. You don't have to eat everything set in front of you. At a buffet, you can say, "Mm -mm, I don't want that. Just because it's being served doesn't mean I have to eat it. Just because it's put in front of me doesn't mean I have to eat it. Check this out. You have been eating so much that you have not been eating well as it relates to your spiritual diet because everything that comes your way, you've been eating. And you have a choice. You can eat anger if you want to, doubt if you want to, a victim mentality if you want to, unforgiveness if you want to, bitterness if you want to, hatred if you want to, or you can be like the person sitting next to you and eat these life-giving messages because when these life giving messages on your diet you're going to realize that every battle you face is already won the battle to become is already won that's why we make the messages available in a variety of ways so you can always eat good in your neighborhood but if your diet is a bunch of gossip no wonder you can't finish because you just listen to a bunch of other people's drama If your diet is a bunch of negativity, no wonder you look at your life in a negative viewpoint because you're dealing with a bunch of negative people. It's quiet in the church. If your diet is listening to a bunch of failures telling you how you can't succeed, no wonder you don't think you can succeed because of your diet. Say, I need a better diet. So what needs to change in your diet? Because the battle to become is already won, but only if you got a good diet. Only if you have a good diet. 
I, I challenge you to feast on these life-giving messages all day, every day. That's why we make them available in the variety of ways that we do. That's why I always say grab a CD or get auto message. It's not because I'm trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you because I already know to finish strong, you're going to have to have a better diet. Because there's going to be days, watch this, at church where you're going to feel, it's evolution time. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. That's right. Say it, Bishop. Say it, sir. You're going to get up. You're going to turn around. You're going to do all of that. Then you're going to get in the car and say, oh, my God. I'm just so overwhelmed. What happened? You got, you got inspired, but you need to keep eating so that inspiration can turn into manifestation. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Now, now, so the battle to become is already won. It's won with a decision to be his disciple. Number two, it's won with a better diet. But check this out. Number three, and I'm done. It's won day by day. Say the battle to become is won day by day. Deuteronomy 7.22. Deuteronomy in Hebrew means to say it again. God often had to repeat himself because the people didn't listen the first time. Uh, I don't know about you, though. I don't enjoy having to repeat myself. Anybody else like this? It's like, you know, stand over there with your hand like this. You said go to the bathroom. What? I didn't say anything like that. Oh, I misunderstood. No, you don't listen. It's quiet in the church. It got super quiet right there. I mean, that's like the quietest I've ever heard the church ever in the historicity of the church. Now, now, now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Deuteronomy means say it again. Sometimes what you're facing feels familiar because you have faced it. It's your Deuteronomy. God says, you've already faced that, but you're going to have to face it again because you don't listen. Deuteronomy, if you, if, you, if you do the daily Bible reading in the Harvest Mobile Bible, I encourage you to do it. You read the whole Bible in a year. If you do that, you'll listen to Exodus, and then you'll listen to Deuteronomy and be like, didn't I hear this already? You did. It's repeating itself because the people didn't listen the first time. So God says, I got to say it over and over and over again until you get it, which means you have to keep repeating the same cycle until you get the lesson. I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in repeating the same cycles over and over and over again in life. And I don't think your neighbor is either. In fact, I think your neighbor's the kind of person that says, you know what? I already said amen to the rest of this year is going to be the best of this year. I already said I'm in my banner year, my best year yet. I've already made some declarations, and I intend to see those declarations through. Just nudge them, say, that's me, that's me, that's me. So here it is, Deuteronomy, say it again, 722. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. So it's the children of Israel. They're getting ready to possess the promised land. And here's what he says. Uh, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. How, church? Little by little. Here's what that means. Day by day. You will be unable to destroy them at once. Thus the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. So check it out. Most of us, here's, here's, here's the way we look at life. Because we live in an instantaneous generation. We want everything right now, immediately. You send a text, if they don't respond within 10 seconds, what's going on? Are we still together or not? I mean, I don't understand why you haven't responded. Are you leaving the family or not? What are you doing? Y'all know I'm telling the truth. If they take longer than, you're like, I can see they read it. It said read at 1128. 
We live in an instantaneous generation where we want everything right now, right away. We can send a tweet and the whole world gets it. You post something on Facebook and somebody you don't even like knows what's going on in your life. It's quiet, church. It's instantaneous information. Right here from my mobile phone, I can send out a message to the over 4,000 people that have downloaded our app, and instantaneously they get it. The problem is we think life operates that way, that it's instantaneous, and it's not. That's not how any of this works. It's day by day, battle by battle. So we think, Bishop, I prayed Sunday morning, and it's Sunday night, and ain't nothing changed. I don't know if this Jesus thing works. Really? Bishop, I sowed my seed on Wednesday night, and I ain't seen breakthrough. I'm not sure if this giving thing works. Bishop, I prayed for my spouse, and the next day they seem to act crazy. I think God's trying to tell me something. Can we be honest? We often are looking for instantaneous results because that's the way we're used to it. We're used to instantaneous information. I want it now. I want it right now. And if it takes longer than right now, it's taking too long. It's quiet, church. Thank you. I will. Somebody in the overflow said, make it plain, Bishop. I, I heard that. I'm going to make it plain. The Israelites didn't just walk into the promised land, which for you and I isn't a piece of land. It's a life, the promised life, a life called shalom in Hebrew. It's the word peace, which means nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, all is well. Check it out. Getting that isn't instantaneous. You declare it over your life and say, well, where is it at? It's going to take time, day by day, battle by battle, little by little. The Israelites just didn't walk into the promised land, unpack their stuff, and get comfy. So why do we think becoming better is that way? And sometimes you'll beat yourself up, you'll knock yourself down, you'll kick yourself around. And so then, watch this, you spend most of your time trying to pick yourself up from the valley you put yourself in when all you had to do is realize, I'm becoming better. Here it is, I may not be where I want to be. But I thank God that I'm not where I used to be. I'm becoming better day by day, little by little. Are you here, church? They didn't just walk into the promised land and say, hey, we were slaves for 430 years. This is heavy. My dog, where y'all going? They didn't just walk in and say, whew, we've been slaves for 430 years. Oh, praise God. We're in the promised land now. Uh, unpack them bags. Unpack them bags. Unpack it. I don't know what's in here. Oh. Unpack them bags. That's none of your business is what's in there. <laughs> they didn't just settle in and get comfy and say, oh, we're just going to do it. God said, you're going to have to. It's yours. It's yours. It is yours. But you're going to have to fight. Little by little, day by day, Battle by battle. They fought battles day by day because the process to possess his promise requires you fighting battles day by day. Say it again, 1115. The process to possess means you've got to fight battles day by day. And we don't always become better by huge leaps and bounds. Often it's little by little, day by day, battle by battle. But in every battle, we become better. In every battle, we become better. That's why the book says he trains our hands for war and our fingers for battle. Now, why does he go from hand to fingers? Because the hand implies something larger. A finger implies something smaller. You missed it. He says, watch this. Even in natural war, a natural war is fought by several battles that make up a war. 
So he says, listen, there's going to be some big battles you have. And guess what? Your neighbor has overcome some big battles. You don't know when they were homeless and how they made it through. You don't know how when they lost their marriage. You don't know about how they came through depression. You don't know how they beat suicide. You don't know the big battles that they've beaten. But I'm going to tell you, you beat some big battles, but now it's time to walk out some of these small battles. And that's what we're doing in this series. We're going to walk out some of these small battles. But would you just take 30 seconds to give God praise for all of the big battles? For all of the big battles that you've beaten, you thought it'd take you down. You thought it'd take you out, but you're still standing. Would you have to have your neighbor and say, neighbor, say, I beat some big things already. And say, I won't let these little battles discourage me, make me run, or make me give up. I need somebody, anybody, everybody to give him. Come on, give him praise. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm out of time. Blessed be the Lord who trains my hands. Y'all thought I was going to take it all the way. Nope. He trains my hands for war. Some of you be like, all my life I had to fight. That's true. And you're going to fight some more. Bishop, why was I the one in my family that was ostracized and made to be the black sheep and made to be the one that never fit in? He trains my hands. He trains my hands. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something I didn't get the 915? I'm going to get to you. Can I get this to you? I'm six minutes over, but can I give it to you? Jesus did his best work when he was dead. You missed it. They put him on the cross. When they put him on the cross, they kill the body. The spirit exits that body, goes to hell, and the Bible says he set some captives free. The wars and the battles you're facing are because there's some captives. You thought it was all about you. It's bigger than you. There's some captives. That the wars you've beaten and the battles you've beaten, you needed to be trained so you can go open the door and set them free. How are they going to get free unless you get free? So stop complaining about your war. Stop complaining about your battle. There's a woman your life is going to impact. There's a man your life is going to impact. He trains my hands for war. My fingers for battle. The Bible says he set captivity free. Say, Jesus did it. Come on, say, Jesus did it. He set captivity free. He set all the other people free. You had to go through that. Because there's some people you're going to set free. And I know it seems crazy now because you're like, Bishop, I'm still kind of trying to figure out what the heck is going on in my life. You can be, watch this, in a battle, but still setting other people free. Watch this. Let me explain something to you. That's why so many people are drawn to you. You're like, I need prayer, and they're coming to you for prayer. You're like, I need encouragement. Do I have any witnesses in here? But they keep coming to you for encouragement. Why? Jesus did his best work in a battle. It looked like he had lost. It looked like he was a failure. It looked like everything was messed up and jacked up. 
And on that third day, that Sunday morning, he got up and he said, didn't I tell you I'd be back? He said, I went down there to set some people free. And the Bible says that he had to get the keys, the keys of authority. So I, he looked at the enemy and said, I'm going to need them keys. I'm going to need those keys. The keys of authority that Adam gave you, I'm going to need those keys. He gets the keys. He sets captivity free. But he does it in a battle. A battle, watch this, that, that killed him. Now, I'm not saying literal death for you and I. No, no, don't take it there. But let's just be honest. Some of the battles you've been facing have been feeling like they've been, we're, we're the honest people. It's been like, I, I just, whoo, this here is taking all of me. Where are the people that are like, Bishop, I'm, I'm like five miles to empty. This thing is just rocking me and shaking me and taking me out. Jesus did his best work when he was dead. When it looked like that battle, like that war was going to kill him. But the battle to become better, hear me, church, is already won. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, all in this place, all in this place, Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Hey, hey. 